This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet, we will recap UFC on ESPN, Barboza vs. Chikadze, and Jake Paul vs. Tyron Woodley. We will hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome, and Real World Callouts. And last but not least, we will preview UFC Fight Night 191, Brunson vs. Till. Here we go. All right, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. Coming to you this week after a pretty weird week of fights. Um, had our Barboza versus Chikatsi event on Saturday. Had our Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley circus on Sunday. Um, got all our segments. Got a preview for you. We are in the middle of a back-to-back, up-to-back, I think, events. I don't know. I think we have a break coming up, but not a, not a bad card coming up, but before we get to all that, we will start, as we always do, with our take of the week. So, Ryan, as always, take us away. All right. I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not. I haven't been online much but or anything. But uh, I think the Barbosa versus Chikadze stoppage, I think that was a clear early stoppage, and that fight should have continued. Um, I mean, yeah, Barbosa was getting worked. He got dropped, but he was clearly defending himself. He wasn't out. He wasn't taking unnecessary shots. I mean, yeah, he got dropped twice pretty close together, but he was on his way back up. It was like nothing near a stoppage. It probably wouldn't have changed the outcome, but Barbosa's a guy that can finish a fight at any time. Yeah, he was getting worked the entire time, but he's got he's got power, and he can, you know, he stays in fights. He's a veteran, and uh, I just think it was an early stoppage. I wasn't wasn't a fan of it. Yeah, I can definitely see that. He popped right back up. I don't know if he really protested it, but some, sometimes guys don't really protest. Um he kind of did. I, I watched today, and he was like, kind of like what he didn't like protest, like go off about it. But he was like, he was getting up and went like right after kind of the ref kind of stopped it. He was like, kind of like what, what the hell's going on? And then I think he's just like, whatever, it's already done. So yeah, some of those guys with so many fights, they're not gonna, you're not gonna see too much protesting out of them. But yeah, no, I thought so too. Um, again, like you said, I, the the feeling was that he was getting kind of dominated, and. uh I mean, we'll cover it in our recap, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't think it was a high enough profile fight that you're going to really find too much backlash, but yeah, I would say as far as early stoppages go, especially a guy like Barboza, like you said, number one, he always, he has body, like bad body language that kind of makes him look like he's more out of it than he is. And then on top of that, he can bounce back and land a kicker, like a huge combo or something when you least expect it. So yeah, I would agree. I, I, he was definitely losing the fight, but he uh, he did seem to recover pretty quickly from that uh, from that knockdown. Yeah, he was back up. It's not like he was knocked out, like it was a flash knockout or anything. He wasn't knocked out at all. He wasn't out. He was immediately getting back up, and the ref just jumped in like when he was already halfway to his feet. I yeah. mean, it just doesn't make much sense to me. I mean, this is uh, you know a guy who just got mauled to a unanimous decision versus Khabib. I mean, I think he could take the, uh, I think he could take the uh, knockdowns and whatnot, you know? Yeah. Um, I would definitely, I definitely agree with you there. It, I don't remember what round was it? Round three? Round three. Yeah. Yeah. So we actually, it wasn't like it was, if it was earlier in the fight, I think people would, there would be a little more outrage, but I think, I mean, if you're me, you're just ready to go to bed. So you're like, okay, whew, 
that's fine by me. But um, yeah, he yeah, it, it was it was a pretty low profile, uh, r- low profile main event as far as things are concerned. Also, right, yeah. Speaking of ready to go to bed, I don't know how you guys do it in in the Midwest, and if you were on the East Coast, it'd be even worse because I was back back in Illinois uh, this weekend, and I, I fell asleep during the main event. I mean, it's uh, I mean, I had a full day. I was real busy. I did a bunch of stuff, but I I couldn't couldn't stay up i just passed out i can't imagine having to watch them every week like 11 midnight you know you're getting the main event that's rough yeah uh 12 15 is generally when they end Jeez. yeah we're done we're done by 10 p.m here at the latest on the on, on the west coast a lot of times they're done by when we're on you know arizona we got half the year on uh pacific time half the year on mountain standard time when you're on pacific time i mean man they're done by nine usually i mean nine thirty. <laughs> i know it's awesome um, yeah you get 10 10 30 when they're later cards on mountain standard time but that's not too bad but uh yeah i mean pacific time is uh, by far the best uh best viewing time zone i feel like yeah it's like perfect and even the early cards they start the early ones that start here like two start at like 11 for you guys it's like yeah i serious i get i get serious like secondhand jealousy that I just want to go to bed some usually. Yeah, you can go to bed if you plan on going out. You know, you don't have to like be out watching the fights. You can pregame watch the fights and then go out. Not that I do that very often <laughs> or ever these days, but back in my day I used to. But uh, yeah, I mean, or you can just go to sleep like and get to bed early. Yeah, I'm I'm big on the going to bed early, but yeah. So pretty much every every Saturday I'm up till twelve fifteen, minimum. That's the minimum. So little rough but you got to experience it for probably the first time in a while right yeah exactly (laughs) all right then yeah you see what we go through but all right then i don't really have a super hot take this week everything's pretty much normal in the mma world right now everyone's begging nate diaz for a fight him and connor had a little back and forth about 10 tweets uh dustin jumped in whatever that's all pretty much usual stuff but i saw that um paulo costa we have not heard a lot out of this guy in a long time Fight confirmed with uh, Marvin Vittori, I think, like October 15th. I think this has potential to be an awesome lead-up because Paulo Costa is one of the funniest dudes on the roster, and Marvin Vittori is one of like the easiest guys to get under his skin. Um, they're basically like two meatheads. I think we got a good one coming our way. Yeah, Marvin Vittori is just the the biggest goon in the UFC <laughs> as far really as trash is. talking goes. I mean, I I don't get it. He gets riled up. He just doesn't make sense. His broken English does not go far when he's trash talking. It just, he, the guy's a complete goon. Uh, I mean, just about the biggest goon I've seen on the UFC roster. And uh, yeah, and I mean Costa. I mean he's he's just the man. I'm I'm interested to see him back. See how he looks. He has been off for a while. So this should be a good fight. I'm I would lean towards Vittori betting wise but uh i don't know we'll see we'll see uh you know how coast is looking and, and whatnot but yeah uh, you know, i haven't even checked the lines that? um i just we costa was on a real run there until he got embarrassed by adesanya and he literally went into hiding for what now over a year yeah he was yeah he's just been i think he had a fight book but he pulled out or cannoneer yeah yeah cannoneer I, I think he pulled out to get hair transplant surgery Wow, that's a, I mean, I he needs it. I've seen his ha- hair lately. Maybe he just doesn't want to fight with the bad head of hair, so he's just waiting until he gets it grown back in, so he can make his uh, make his comeback. 
Yeah, no, I. But the fun, the thing is, to me, I, I seriously think he's like one of the funniest, if not the funniest. There's a few fun, really funny guys. Uh, Darren Till's another one of them. He's fighting this week, but he's not like harass his opponent if funny like uh, like Costa is. So I really hope he takes full advantage and just goes after Marvin Vittori, who's a guy you can <laughs> you can easily get under that guy's skin, and he just like is like he just reacts like sloth from the Goonies, just does like a like an idiotic like beller thing like we we saw him that whole week for uh what was that 263 yeah (laughs) so i hope i really hope and that's coming up quick too that's only what a month and a half away or yeah basically yeah these i mean these fight nights we have and espn cards are are pretty weak like all around like for like three or four in a row here but after we get through these fight nights since we start hitting these pay-per-views we got some sick cards coming up we got that ufc 266 the ortega versus volkanovsky card um it's got the nick diaz versus robbie lawler uh valentina versus lauren murphy tiago santos versus johnny walker dan hooker versus mini gas uh marab's on that roxanne modifari it's pretty stacked that one and then after that um there's a there's a fight night in between but then then we got the ufc 267 the free card and this thing is absolutely stacked i mean we got Peter Jan versus Aljamain Sterling. We have uh, Glover Teixeira versus Jan Blockwitz, two title fights. Then you got Walt Harris versus Tai Tuivasa, Islam Makhachev versus RDA, um, Kamzat Chemaya and Kamzat Chemaya versus Lee Jingliang, and Vulcan Ozdemir versus Magomed Ankalaev. That wow. is a card already, and that I mean free. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I've been hoping and praying that they were going to come to some sort of free model, some sort of like Super Bowl free model, and it seems like maybe my dreams are coming true. So that yeah, is good. Everybody tune in. We need big numbers on that card. To get yeah. We got to start I mean, if it, evangelizing. If it doesn't, oh, does it seem it like these cards numbers. are, uh, they're booking these guys really close to their fights now, or is that, doesn't it seem like, like for say for like Costa to be booked for October 15th, a month and a half away. Doesn't that seem like pretty short? Doesn't it seem short that, uh, like Chandler was just booked for Gaethje. What 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 date is that? That's not very far away. Yeah, that's UFC two sixty eight. That's the pay per view right after that free one two sixty seven. It's on November sixth. Oh, that's kind of far Usman, away. Yeah, you got Usman versus Covington, Michael Chandler versus Gaethje, Frankie Edgar versus Marlon Vera, Rose Namajunas versus Welly Zhang, Imavov versus Shabazian, Durandamani Randomy versus Aldana. So I think we're just putting up with these real shit fight nights here for uh, for this month. Because everybody is on these next yeah. three pay-per-views coming up, so no, that's that seems to be the case for sure. <laughs> but yeah, they are booking, and they they are booking these fight nights though, real like They're, yeah, really like close out. Like they don't have anybody on next week's card, the uh, the uh, UFC Fight Night One Ninety Two on the UFC official website. There's nothing booked. They do have a they do have a full card listed on on best fight odds, but, uh, they are putting these things out last minute, like making them official. But I mean, it could be the UFC's like pretty much has them official. They're just yeah. not officially announcing them. They're waiting on one person to sign the contract or something. But so it could be that the fighters know about the fights that, but they just haven't announced them publicly yet. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. It seems like you hear, it just seems like I hear about these fights. I can't keep them all straight, but I hear about these fights. And then it's like two weeks later or more, more likely a month later, but that's still not a real long camp. But they're probably in camp. They probably know what to expect. So, anyhow, we'll see how that one goes. I'm excited to see Costa back in the uh, back in the octagon. Um, Vittori bouncing back pretty quick. Again, he's 
I mean, he's a good fighter, but he's his personality is just unbearable. So hopefully, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully uh, we can get Costa back on top so we can see more of him. But anyhow, we will uh, jump in then to our uh, to our recap here. We had a pretty uh, kind of a weird card, is what I was getting to with uh, this fight night here. This, well, which one was? I don't even know the name of. This was basically the tough finale, right? Barboza versus yeah. Chikazi in the main event. Um, it was a UFC on ESPN card. Yeah. So we had uh, Edson Barboza, Giga Chikazi main event. Basically, what what this came down to was a kickboxing match. Um, I th- I still think Edson Barboza is the more obviously the more seasoned fighter. I still think he's the better fighter. I think if you fall into a kickboxing match with a highly decorated kickboxer, you might uh, you might get yourself in some trouble. This is MMA, but it's easy to fall into that trap of just kickboxing when that's probably what you like to do most, and that's obviously what he likes to do most. And uh, um, Giga Chikazi pretty much made himself a uh, viable contender by finishing Edson Barboza. Again, possible early stoppage, but he was definitely winning that fight pretty uh, pretty handily. Not that Edson wasn't landing some good body kicks, but it was definitely uh, highly in favor of uh, Chikazi. Yeah, I think on the preview, I mean, I was on Barbosa, but I said, you know, for him to get this win, he's going to have to mix in some takedowns and some wrestling. And, uh, he shot you know, once. if he gets into just a uh, stand-up kickboxing fight, that he he might have some issues uh, and it could go gig his way on, on points. I think I almost changed it, but then decided not to. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what happened. He, he didn't really, you know, pursue the takedowns too much. Uh, you said he shot once, but, I mean, I think he should have kept on going on that. And, uh yeah, kind of just let Giga get into a rhythm and uh, and took him out in the third round. I mean, early stoppage, but uh, I mean, I mean, Giga was still you know getting the better of him for most of the yep. fight. Yeah, that was definitely the case. And this was uh, they basically threw us this one because they were the two events before it were people no one really knew from the Ultimate Fighter unless you watch the show. Um, so. But I yeah, w- and from from these fights, I mean, I'm kind of yeah. I kind of wish I would have watched the show. I mean, it seems pretty legit. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, Brian Battle versus Gilbert Urbina first. I would say this was this was the lesser of the two fights. This was still a good fight. Urbina was uh, he was an alternate, I think. Somebody else was supposed to fight in his position. Again, I didn't watch the yeah. show, so I don't know. A, high, a highly uh, kind of like a highly touted guy from the show again i didn't watch but brian battle he was the last pick he ended up winning the show that's pretty sweet um i don't know like i said again this was a good fight i don't know as much about these two guys as the next uh uh ultimate fighter fight was incredible but this was still a good fight and uh i think at, at least put their names on the map a little bit yeah he was uh brian battle was supposed to fight Treshawn gore uh, and they pulled out Gilbert Urbina was the he lost in the semifinals I guess but uh, they put him in there and I thought Gilbert Urbina looked good in that first round it seemed really like he good. was winning he was uh, you know seemed like the better fighter early on but he started to get tired maybe because of the short notice and whatnot and uh, Brian Battle he he stayed in there and he got the win he finished him off uh, by rear naked choke in the second round which once Urbina started to gas a little bit. Yeah, like you said, it was the lesser of the two fights, but it was a pretty good fight nonetheless. And, uh, I mean, that Brian Battle, he's got a, a good story. I mean, picked last on uh, in the th- in the whatever, um, the ultimate fighter draft, I guess. 
and uh he just you know he's consistent he got it done he won the uh won the thing so it's good to see that yeah brandon moreno was picked last too and uh i think they probably picked him last because he's pigeon toed which is understandable <laughs> pigeon toed and yeah i mean he said he he kind of got into it late just kind of randomly you know got into fighting and he lost a bunch of weight he's fat and he's yeah he's looking good now so i mean yeah i'm interested to see you know if he can keep keep up on this upward trajectory and see how far he can take it you know yeah and of all the sports that do something like i don't really know what to compare this to but um ultimate fighter winners actually do pretty well in the ufc except for uh, what's her name nico montagna and I think she could have done well in the UFC, but she seems like her own worst enemy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and on the Ultimate Fighter, I watched that season, actually, and, and she looked good. She was uh, doing really well. She looked like she could be, you know, an up-and-comer and if she kept it going, but she completely fell apart once she once she made it to the UFC. I don't know if winning the Ultimate Fighter got to her head and she just kind of, like, self-destruct from there or what, but I think there's more to that story that, that we don't necessarily know about. Yeah, for sure. Um, our our next this was a double double weight class season. Our next class weight class final was uh, Ricky Tercios versus Brady Heistad. Did I say Tercios? 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 I don't know how you say it. I think it's Tercios. Tercios. That dude is a character, though. Yeah, he's the man. That was a great fight. That was unbelievable. I was I was very surprised at this. This was uh, about as good of a fight as you're gonna see from two guys you don't know. Yeah, and. Let's just say, I don't know, but there were whispers that this was comparable to the uh, Stefan Bonner, Forrest Griffin, Ultimate Fighter. I'm not ready to go there. I don't think I don't think that anybody will ever be ready to go there, but a lot of people were saying this was like must-see, tough finale, um, one of the better Ultimate Fighter finales of all time. Yeah, I agree on it being one of the better Ultimate Fighter finales of all time, but I don't think you can compare it to uh, <laughs> um, at all, you know, because, I mean... Stephen Bonner, um, who Stephen Bonner? Oh my God! Why am I how am I blanking on his name? He's like Forrest Griffin. <laughs> Forrest Griffin, yeah. Stephen Bonner and Forrest Griffin. That was just like unbelievable. It was you know basically as Dana and and the Fertitas say, like it was a make or break thing. Like if that did not go well and that didn't end up how it was, we wouldn't be here at the UFC where we're at today. So, um, I mean, that was just an unbelievable fight that really launched the UFC on a trajectory to be where it's at today. And I, I don't think anything will ever come of that. I don't think this, as good as this fight was, I don't think people were calling their friends to tune in, to the, <laughs> to tune in the fight that was happening and stuff, and then got huge numbers because of it. But nonetheless, it was an amazing fight. It was way more than I expected. And I mean, at Tercios, he, he fought off his back about better than about anybody I've seen in a long time. He was throwing up uh, triangles constantly. He was, you know, constant in motion off his back he was uh you know Brady Highstand was was right there with them the entire time too but Tercios he just uh just on another level I'm gonna be really interested to see where this guy can go in the UFC yeah maybe they don't save the UFC but maybe they save uh, ultimate fighter possibly yeah, for real honestly you might be right on that I like that take it did uh it did bring me it did make me regret not having any idea about the show like just completely ignoring it yeah exactly i was like maybe i should go watch the show after this is over like i was thinking about maybe going back and watching it but i think it's too late now i think i'm just gonna watch the next season yeah it'd be a major spoiler alert but uh we'll move on to uh from a fight that absolutely delivered to a fight that probably wouldn't say quite that much kevin lee daniel d rod rodriguez 
Kevin Lee, this is just a pattern. It's just the same thing over and over and over. He dominated the first round. He looked pretty good, and then he just loses the fight. Um, I don't know. It, everyone gives him an excuse that he's too big for 155 and too small for 170. Maybe true, maybe not. It doesn't really matter at this point because they're never going to put in a 165 division. He just can't figure it out. I just don't know what it is at this point. He's basically unbettable, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think so at this point. I mean, you just never know which guy's going to show up. I mean, in this fight, he was, you know, inconsistent from round to round. We've seen fighters like that before. We've talked about it on the show. But, um, yeah, I mean, I thought I bet Kevin Lee. I picked him in our league. As uh, did I. But, uh, yeah, he looked good, I thought, at the beginning. And then he just faded and faded from there. I mean, I thought it was kind of close. I thought, you know, the takedown in the second round, it's like sometimes the judges would give him that second round and sometimes they don't. This night they didn't. Um, but I was off for not giving it to him, even though I had picked him. I thought Daniel Rodriguez won that fight. But, yeah, I mean, Kevin Lee, I just don't know where to go, uh, where he goes from here. He's he's definitely too small for 170. I mean, I think, you know, he has to fight at 155. He's not going to make a run at 170 yet by any means. They're just too big for him. His wrestling's not quite good enough to be, like, an elite wrestler, like, giving up size at 170. And, uh, yeah, I just don't know. It looks, you know, his striking can be on point sometimes it, it cannot be on point at other times and then you know his wrestling is good sometimes it's not great other times and, and he gets submitted a lot as well for her uh for a wrestler but um yeah I, I don't know uh I don't know where he goes from here I think he really has to take a step back and see see what he wants to do with his career and really get you know really figure it out and and put everything in all his eggs in one basket and go for it from here if he doesn't do that i i don't think he has much longer in the ufc it could be one of these guys we see getting cut here in the future if he doesn't figure it out soon yeah that was kind of the uh, suggestion after the fight with dana saying he was gonna have to figure out what to do with kevin lee whether it was in or out of the ufc but yeah i mean i think he just his mouth is bigger than his uh performances so i think that's probably hurt him as much as anything Probably second to that would be his cardio doesn't seem to be great. So he's had some great fights. He just has also had some terrible losses, and he's just an inconsistent. I mean, from weight to weight, from week to week, he's just a different fighter. It's just you never know what you're going to get. And after taking, what, over a year off, year year and a half off, it was not what you'd uh, expect coming back. So Yeah, he clearly, um, clearly just doesn't really – get to get it down get to it and get it done you know he just uh he's just a subpar performer it seems like and it's tough to see a guy that seems to have so much potential just uh not be able to figure it out yeah i will 100 percent admit i was one of the people that thought he would give khabib a good fight about four years ago yeah and he could i mean he had that style he was on that run at, um you know where he dominated edson barbosa right after uh right after Khabib did, and, and maybe he had a more impre- impressive performance against Edson than, yep. than Khabib. And then from there, um, I think he lost a fight, and then he uh, came back. He got that head kick knock out of Gregor Gillespie, and then, you know, it's just the highs and lows of this guy. He'll go, he'll be on an extreme high, and then he'll immediately follow it up with an extreme low and bounce back, and then right back to an extreme low. So yep. right now we're on the extreme low. Maybe the next time he comes out, we'll be uh, we'll be talking, you know, praising him with uh, – <laughs> Some highlight real KO or something. We'll see. Yeah, to be determined. But uh, Mahmed Muradov versus Gerald Mearshart. I think this was your underdog play where you said you were going to 
take a small flyer on uh, Mearshart. That was a huge mistake that I made not doing that. You just don't get plus 500 odds on a guy that's pretty reliable as far as fighting goes. Um, you just don't see those numbers in MMA. And when you do, it's it's usually worth a flyer. I mean, if it's Amanda Nunes, no. If it's Valentina Shevchenko, no. But when you're talking about mid-level guys, especially guys that aren't necessarily at the top of a, of a divisions, and you see you get a plus 500 for a reliable vet, it's kind of a shame not to jump on it. I wish I would have. Easy to say in hindsight, but good call. And uh, that was also a good fight. It looked like uh, Mearshart was going to f- go out of there pretty quick, and uh, he hung in there and ended up just – gas tank ended up uh, saving him for him, and then he started landing some big shots and finished off uh, Mahmoud Muradov with a nice, uh, a nice choke. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I wish I would have put, put him uh, as one of my picks in the league, but I didn't. Um, I thought I'd go a little safe since I was making a comeback somewhat, and then I just went I went one and one. So I didn't quite follow my own advice, but uh, yeah, I mean, I really like that pick. You you got a guy who's you know proven to be reliable mid level guy who can get wins versus big name opponents, and and his opponent's not a big name. He's a you know relatively green fighter that um, you know is a huge favorite. People are high on him, but you know we don't know if he is all that he's cracked up to be and then i mean you got gerald mearshart comes out and and proves proves him wrong uh proves you know proves the masses wrong gets the win as a plus 500 underdog so i think i said also like by submission i think he's like plus a thousand you could go for that and yeah and he won by submission too so he could have made some even you know even bigger odds uh some money on that one so yeah and i think he was always going to win by submission if he won so that was uh one of those lines you don't get every day and uh, i wish i was been a uh a little more, a little more uh, risky and jumped on it, but oh well, that yeah, happens. Yeah, you just see, you just see the plus five hundred, and even though you know, like maybe you know, this has got a potential to win, you're like it's plus five hundred though. So well, yeah, what do know, they know that I don't? What do they know that yeah. I don't? And at the same time, I think we all probably were victims of, especially us, because we talked about this. But like, we thought he had a chance against Camzat, and then he got his lights shut out in like fifteen seconds kind of thought like yeah maybe this maybe that's what's going to happen again but it just shows what what level comes out on then uh nobody I don't think I've ever heard anyone say Mahmoud Muradov is on that level so I don't know maybe it was a bit of a residual um reaction yeah it's almost like the MMA math you can't you can't put too much stock you got to look at it a little bit but you can't put too much stock and stuff like that you know yeah for sure all right, speaking of putting stock in fighters, Alexi DiTarico versus Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Al-Hassan coming off a couple losses in a row. DiTarico coming off a good win. Um, this fight was about, what, 20 seconds long. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan back in the winning column. Uh, I think every single win he's ever had is a first-round finish. Can't fight, like you said last week, can't fight for more than about six minutes tops. Or six, yeah, about six minutes is all he's got. Um but if he gets a hold of you in that in that one round, he can put you away, and that's what he did. Yeah, I mean this guy is dangerous for the first round, and uh, yeah, and he took uh, Dietrico out. I mean Dietrico, I was on him on this one. Um, I just you know the cardio, I, I just can't bet a guy like that. But I guess maybe I should have took a flyer on a small bet on a first round knockout for Al Hassan. 
looking back on it, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? Tariko was looking good. He had that high highlight reel KO of um of uh Joaquin Buckley. Uh, Joaquin Buckley, yeah. But um he got he got the highlight reel on him this time out. So Al Hassan, I mean, I guess he's not necessarily a don't bet in the future, but I mean he still kind of is. I, I just can't unless until he can prove like his cardio can at least he can at least win two rounds, the first two rounds. I, I just you can't rely on him for a first round knockout every time. Not everyone's gonna go in there and, and give him that opportunity when, you know, you can just dance around for a little bit and, and wear him out. So I mean El Hassan's dangerous. Uh highly real KO. I he needed it. I think he's probably, you know, looking at potentially getting kicked out of the UFC here if he didn't if he didn't get the win here. But he got it and uh we'll see where he goes next. Yep. All right, Sam Alvey, Wellington Tournament. I have a casual confession to make. I was picturing Wellington, the one we were talking about, Wellington Tournament. I was picturing a, uh, a Worley Alves, and I actually said that his last fight was against Monier Laziz. The second I saw Wellington Tournament's face, I knew exactly who he was. But <laughs> I have to, I have to confess, if you heard last week, and I said incorrect info, I was just in casual mode. But I knew I know who Wellington Terman is. As soon as I saw his face, I had a little shock. Like, that's not who I thought he was fighting. And then it all made sense to me after that. But anyways, Sam Alvey, who uh, who I also screwed up because I thought he was I thought he fought the weekend before when it was Ed Herman. That was just a you all everyone <laughs> mixes up their gingers. But anyways, um, I would say I pretty much expected Terman to win this fight. I think we both picked him to win. Um, weird, weird fight. He lost two points. But he won all three rounds, so he still won the fight. Uh, eye pokes. Um, I thought the taking the first point was definitely a really early, like a. a he was quick on the trigger to take the first point, but Sam Alvey was begging for him to take it, so they did it. And then ten seconds later, took a second point, so that made it interesting. But uh, he still deserved to win the fight because he won all three rounds, and. Uh, I don't know, Sam Alvey's creepy, like I have nothing against him, but his creepy little like smile thing that he does didn't last when they read this, this the decision because he was super pissed. But um, I thought they got the right call here, and uh, I don't know, maybe Sam Alvey's on the chopping block. I don't know. I think he should be. I mean, I, I didn't see this fight. Like I said, I was out fishing, and I didn't make it back for this one. You didn't so miss I think anything. I started one after that, but uh, – yeah, that's interesting. I you said he, they took a point on the first eye poke and Sam Alvey begged for it. That's just that's not right in my opinion. I it mean, wasn't the first like, one, but it was it was a kind of it was not the first eye poke, and he had been warned about his fingers, but it was not a bad one. It was kind of a grazing one, and he didn't really hurt. He it wasn't a deep one or anything. It was just it was just it was a quick on the trigger. Like nobody thought that they should be taking that point, and he it was all because Alvey was begging for it. Yeah, I mean, he didn't deserve to win the fight. Then, in my opinion, if you're if you're just begging for for points, uh, point deductions, that's just that's not <laughs> yeah, right. That's not good. the way to fight. So, I mean, it's not a good look. Wellington Terman, I didn't see it, but um, I, I was on him, and uh, I think the rightful guy got the victory here. Yeah, you didn't miss much. Um, they basically put themselves in a bad spot though, because the second eye poke was pretty bad. So you already took one point for a not bad eye poke, and then you get another one ten seconds later. Just not a real good uh, situation to be in. But, again, it didn't end up changing the result of the fight. So, uh, Wellington Terman, who also needed a win badly, got it. So, but other than that, that's our uh, that's our recap here. Any other fights you saw or didn't see? or 
No, I didn't see, but I didn't really see much else um, earlier than that Sam Alvey fight. I didn't see anything, but uh, I did see Darren Stewart got cut, so he's no longer in the UFC. He got knocked out by J- Dustin Jacoby, yeah. and he got he got his uh, walking papers uh, a few days later, a day later. Yeah, that's tough. He was fighting up a weight class too, I think. Yeah, he has. He's been t- taking some tough fights. He's been losing, but. Uh, I mean, it's not like he's no. I don't think he's a slouch by any means. Just no. uh, they're um, they're quick to cut people these days. It's just recent. They hadn't cut anybody. It seemed like for a long time, and now they're kind of dropping the hammer down on some of these guys. They had so many guys on the roster at one point. Yeah, I think it's it's much needed. But uh, and they're getting rid of some guys that uh, I think just have a kind of bigger, not huge contracts, but maybe bigger than what they deserve, and and they're on a losing streak, so they they got to go. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna shed tears over it. Um, tough break, tough loss. He can. Uh, you can go back to being a dentist. <laughs> Probably a safer career path. So, anyhow, that was our. Uh, what was that? ESPN, uh, UFC on ESPN. Not really memorable. Anything too memorable? Not anything too uh, high scale. But um, still an entertaining card. And I think, if nothing else, if you're a fan of the show Ultimate Fighter, it really delivered. So. Um, Maybe next season I'll tune in and I'll just lie to myself and say that I'm going to watch it when I'm not. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to watch the next season. So I'll say I'll it, say that I too. Think but this was, uh, I think this was enough to get me to tune in again. I mean, it's definitely it's usually on when there's not a lot on TV too. It's just like I think if it was on regular TV and I was recording it on on YouTube TV, I probably would have watched it. But having to go through ESPN Plus and watch it, I, it's just that's probably the the thing that I can't quite pull myself to do. But if it was already there, recorded, and I'm just paging through stuff, I'd probably watch it. But I'm not going and, and searching through it on ESPN Plus to watch it. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to put my odds at about 3% that I tune in next season, but <laughs> 3% higher than it was. Exactly. All right, then. We do have another event to recap here quickly. Um we had the Tyron Woodley, former UFC welterweight champion, Jake Paul. Tyron Woodley, former UFC welterweight champion versus Jake Paul. 3-0 and boxing, YouTube box, celebrity boxing, greatest of all time. YouTube, the celebrity boxing goat himself. Um, this event was uh, Sunday night. Um, and I watched the main event. That was the only fight I watched. But I have to say, I I've heard the... MMA hardcores, and I've heard some of the other fans complain. I thought it was a pretty good fight. I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch it? I did not. I was actually I was going to watch it. I was on a flight um, back back to Arizona from Illinois while the fight was going on, so I did not get a chance to watch it. Uh, but I have uh, you know gone back, read some stuff about it. I haven't watched it, but uh, I, I kind of caught up on on the dealings of the card. You know. Yeah. So basically. I thought it was a pretty good fight. I know a lot of people complained. The hardest thing to watch was that Tyron was doing everything right except throwing punches. And a lot of people are like, what's wrong with this guy? Well, this is how he's fought his whole career. So that shouldn't be too shocking. But he did end up landing a monster right hand in the fourth round that actually put Jake Paul into the ropes. The ropes held him up. Like you, You've seen the I – sh- I sent the picture, like the meme that yeah, Tyron got. Yeah, I did got. see that. He was, he was almost like – I don't know. At, he was at like reverse 45 degrees. He was, he was, the ropes were the only thing holding him up. He almost went through the ropes. So 
I don't know if you, people could call that a knockdown, whatever. He did land more punches. Not a, not a whole ton more, though. Like, the punch stats kind of made it look closer than I – I think that – I would say that, honestly, I think Tyron comes out of it looking a little better because I think a lot of people think it was just a matter of time if the fight went on before he finally put him away. But Tyron did what Tyron does, and he let the fight slip away from him. Can't complain about the final decision. Um, and – the size difference made a, the size difference was the biggest factor. If he lands that shot on a guy his size, he puts him away. Um, a guy twenty pounds heavier than him, not so much. But I would say it was a good fight. I I hate to get sucked into that stuff. Ariel Hawani was just in heaven. He was basically running the whole show. This is what he's always dreamed of. Literally, that's what he was putting on his uh, his Instagram and his Twitter. Like this is what I always dreamed of, being uh, jerking off celebrities and uh, being uh, running a celebrity boxing show. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting. I kind of feel like it went kind of the way I thought it would go. I mean, True. I figured it would need, it would be either Tyron Woodley finding that shot and putting him out, which he almost did, or it would be, you know, Jake Paul winning the decision. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just Tyron Woodley. It's just a, kind of a classic performance. Like, I didn't see it, but from what I, everything I've gathered, it's just a classic Tyron Woodley performance. He just, you know, doesn't throw enough volume. He looks for the big shot. If he doesn't find the big shot, he's going to, you know, he loses on points. And uh, even more so, like, with him not being able to follow up on a knockdown in boxing, obviously, it's it's just even tougher for him to get the finish, you know. So, I mean, Jake Paul, I mean, I think it was, you know, this is just perfect fight selection by Jake Paul, in my opinion, you know, and his team. I mean, you got a guy where you're not it's not you don't you can't take another guy like Ben Askren right because people are just gonna say you're just cherry picking people who can't fight at all so you find a guy like Tyron Woodley who can fight who does have knockout power who is dangerous who's gonna put on somewhat of performance but he's got some you know he's got some things going against him as and he doesn't throw the volume if you can avoid getting knocked out you're gonna look pretty good as far as being able to land the volume on him and outpoint him in boxing um and uh He's not necessarily chinny, so he's going to be able to put up a fight. He's not going to get knocked out early, uh, especially being able to get back up. Tyron Woodley doesn't really, you know, get knocked out cold. He gets dropped sometimes, but he kind of comes back. So I think it was great, uh, you know, great fight selection by opponent, uh, you know, picking his opponent to be Tyron Woodley. I just don't know where he really goes from here. Um, I think it's going to be tough for him to find a step up from Tyron Woodley, but not too much for him in his next fight you know I think it's I think his next fight it's going to be really interesting where he goes from here I I don't really know who it's going to be but um you know he can't take a step down uh because it's going to be like what are you doing and um I think it's you know a step up is getting pretty difficult I (laughs) think he needs to try to find somebody similar to Tyron Woodley as far as skill goes uh but maybe a slightly bigger name and he needs to figure out some way to make it where it, you can still build the hype around it, but uh, he still has kind of an advantage. I, I don't know off the top of my head who it is yet, but yeah, we're really not that big in the uh, celebrity boxing. This is just such a big event; we just had to throw it in there. But honestly, and again, I know I'm in the minority with this one too, but I think a rematch would make the most sense because you know what you're getting yourself into. And here's my thing, my catch for all of that. All these fans that want to see him lose, the people that are buying it to see Jake Paul lose, they all think that if Tyron got another three minutes, another two rounds, another five rounds, he would have put him away because he was he was stalking him the whole fight. He was doing everything right except throwing punches. He was putting he had the pressure the whole fight. They don't realize that 
if they fought 10 more times, good chance at least eight to nine of those times it would be the exact same result. You and then you'd go into the eleventh fight thinking, yeah, but if he had a, if he had a couple more minutes, he was going to land that shot because that's just how Tyron fights every time. It took me years to stop falling for that. Obviously, this is a lot of people's first exposure to it, so they're going to keep falling for it at least a few more times. So they could easily run it back and uh, sell this thing again. I think it would sell just fine. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I mean. I don't think I would have bought this one or I would have watched it if I wasn't on the flight, but I don't know if they do a rematch if I'm going to be paying paying for the pay-per-view. It's already, you know, we've already seen it. I think if they did this rematch, we got to have a really good co-main event with it to sell pay-per-views to get interest. I think he needs, I think if they did a rematch, Logan Paul would have to be fighting on it as well. I think it'd have to be Jake and Logan both fighting, you know, pretty good opponents. So yeah. I think that would sell. But I think if you just put it Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley and a similar undercard, I don't know if it's going to sell as well. And I think they need it to sell similar. I mean, I, I don't know what this one sold. I, I'm interested to see. But um, I, I just, you know, these guys, are they're making pretty good money. They're getting paid. So uh, I think they need to have the, the pay-per-view buys there to keep keep the show going. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not sure, but I guess we'll find out because I'm sure the next move is around the corner. They're printing money right now, so they got to keep it rolling. The show goes on. Exactly. All right, then we'll move on from that to our segments here. Um, we've got our Isn't He Awesome and our weekly call. It's your turn to go first, so who do you got this week? Isn't He Awesome? I'm doing... Sports betting, it's going to be, It's. it was legalized in Arizona, and it's going to go live on September 9th, and I can't wait. So I'm going to be all on it. I've kind of been taking a break. Basically, I ran my account down. I had a few off weeks, and, you know, I got to use America's card room for, for betting and got to deposit in Bitcoin. I, I like to keep my Bitcoin, so i just kind of been taking it easy as far as the sports betting goes. Uh, I've been making the picks. I've been betting a little bit, but I haven't really been – you know, full throttle into it. And I'm going to be back September 9th once we once we go live here and I'm able to deposit easily and whatnot. I can't wait. I, I think it's something that should be legalized nationwide. And uh, I mean, if people can't, you know, stop themselves from betting, then that, you know, that's their own fault. They can ban themselves from the book or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's like if you can go to a casino and gamble all your money away on blackjack, why can't you gamble it all away on, on picking some sports betting? So um, it, it should be awesome. There's like sports books at every arena, I guess that are going to be open um, in Arizona. It's going to you're going to be able to bet from all the apps, BetMGM, FanDuel, um, you know, all the big ones, five or all the big sports betting apps. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be depositing. They get a bunch of offers. I think with the four big sports book apps, if you pre-register, you get like 200, 100 to 200 bucks free bets and on each of them. So I'm going to be all in. Yeah, uh, I've already had all that here, so it's been a good time. That's about probably the one advantage of living in Illinois over Arizona is we've had uh, we've had sports betting for a while. Yeah, we'll be catching up. So it it's got to be pretty good being able to check all those lines and stuff at different sports books and just be able to put it in straight from your phone and not have to go through some shady offshore <laughs> site or, or get a shady bookie that you know gives you some sketchy website to bet on. Yeah, it's nice. You just pull up your app and you just let it fly. Oh yeah, it might be dangerous, but I'm thinking it's going to be the opposite. I think we're going to get some uh, get some money going. Hopefully, that'll mean uh, you know maybe I'll start. You know, I, I do some research on these picks I make. We do all right, but uh, maybe I'll take it up to the next level. I'll be tape studying every single one, and maybe we'll get uh, 
we'll just keep going. We'll be up and up from here. Yeah. So now that we're all, now that you're getting in ready to become a full-time sports better, what can I do to get off this cataclysmic losing streak that no one's ever seen before to the likes that no one's ever seen before? My losing streak in the league <laughs> is the worst. There's no no one's ever gone from worst first to last as fast as I'm projected to go from it. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe uh I I don't know. I give you the I give you the picks here and uh I took them last you week. Of, yeah, you you just pick the ones that I pick wrong, you know? I feel like uh it's, it's, it, that just happens sometimes. Terry's the king of doing that. He's got he's got his expert he listens to. If the guy loses two picks, Terry uh, you know, if he bets the whole card and only loses two, Terry happens to pick those two. So and sometimes it just, uh, you know, just doesn't go in your favor. You'll you'll pull out of it, though. Oh, I've gotten out of it. I've gotten in and out of a couple bad ones, but this is the worst one I think ever. This is like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like I'll, I'll look into it, and it's like the two guys I have the most confidence in. I'll have five picks I like. The, my two favorites lose and my three that I wasn't as confident in win easily. So I don't know. It's about time for it to turn around, though. It's it's probably the worst it's ever been. Well, we'll get you back in the win column here, hopefully. Need I to. mean, this uh, I'm not too I'm not too pumped on the uh, prospects we got going on this card this week. So maybe uh maybe it'll be a, a two weeks out instead of. Instead I think of that's being, a pretty good factor there. Weekend. Yeah, we've had some rough cards though. Honestly, it's like we've had a, a lot of cards with not many not many known fighters that we know a whole, whole lot about. So I think that's probably part of it. You know, once we get coming into this big, you know, this kind of big stretch that we have coming up once these pay-per-views start, I think that's really when we're going to kick it up a notch. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, who are you calling out this week? All right, we could call it. I got two of them here. First one being the ultimate fighter apparel. I mean, what is this? Did they get it's like punishment. Um, a clothing... Yeah, did they? Is it what is what is up with this? Did they get like a, you know, a clothing designer from the 1990s to do the Ultimate Fighter apparel? I mean, they got all the Venom gear. They can't. They must not be able to put them in Venom gear or something. So they put them in just like these cheap looking Generic. yellow shirts with like the worst font I've ever seen. It's like, what are you guys doing? It's like just you know dress these guys like they're in the UFC, not like they're in like a. Uh, a throwback 90s, uh, you know, gym catalog or something. It's it's awful. It really was bad. I, it's like punishment. Like they got to earn their stripes or something. It's not the first time too. The last Ultimate Fighter card, I remember it being the same thing. They don't. They wear like these off-brand shorts that looked like they were, you know, produced at Kmart. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it's just awful. It's like get these guys some gear that 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 looks halfway decent. It's it's bad. I am with you there. It was that's. It was almost like like I said. It was like a punishment or something. Yeah, so then I'll, I'll just move on to my, my next call out here. We got fantasy football. I just uh, just completed my first draft before this podcast. I was talking to you a little about it, a bit about it before we started. It's like I do not know why I continue to punish myself by participating in fantasy football year after year. I, I don't know. I just I guess I'm a going for punishment. I have no clue what I'm doing. I, I, I'm not into it enough to do the research, so I just go out there. I just make random picks. It always does terrible for me. I, I'm not into it enough to be on the waiver wire every week, so I'm pretty much just donating my money to the rest of the league. It's uh, it, I, I get it. It's fun for some people. I mean, there's probably a ton of people here like, what are you talking about? This is You're an idiot. Like, But it's just I don't know why I keep doing it. It's uh, it's not what it used to be, in my opinion. And uh, I think fantasy football, it's just going downhill 
And uh, it's something that uh, I think next year I'm finally going to make the call and, and be done with it. I retired from fantasy football like five seasons ago because it took over, it was taking over my life. It probably makes football more enjoyable too because now it's just like you watch, you're just, uh, just going off for your guys and stuff, and they have a bad game and just ruins your day. So I think Sundays would be a lot – a lot more chill and relaxed and, and better viewing of football if I, if I wasn't just, uh, just, you know, just depressed about my fantasy football team week, week in and week out. That was the case for me until I started betting all the games, and then it's like the same thing over again. Especially yeah, not the prop only do bets. you have your, a shitty fantasy football team, you lose all your money on the sports book. Yeah, it's going to be rough. I can just – talking on that, I mean – I cannot bet on football. I am absolutely awful at it. I do decent in the UFC, but it's the exact opposite. If I if I bet football, I just take all my winnings on Saturday and just dump them on on Sunday <laughs> in football. So it's any other sport, I automatically lose. I don't even know why I continue to punish myself. I'll, if I make a pick in football or basketball or baseball, it doesn't matter. They lose no matter what. I could be winning for three and a half quarters. I lose the game. I could be. I think it was that – remember that Toledo game we talked about, I think, on here before? Oh, the yeah, the game, worst. We all bet it. We were up by 10 with a minute and a half left, and we lost. I mean, I, things like that happen to me regularly when I bet anything besides uh, UFC. So, um, yeah, I'm just uh, – I'm a bad sports better if, if you're not counting uh, MMA. Yeah, you do pretty well in the MMA, but – yeah, I don't know. I've, uh, I kind of have a somewhat of a – I had a successful season last year in the NFL, but I don't think – I can really count on, uh, you know, repeating that success. But we're going to try our best anyways. Yeah, you got to keep on trying. We're no quitters here. Yeah, exactly. All right, then. Um, this week I got uh, Isn't He Awesome? I got Bishop Sycamore High School. Have you heard this story about this high school out of Ohio, Columbus, Ohio? They talked their way onto playing on an ESPN game against IMG Academy, which is one of the best high schools every single year. Um, for multiple sports, but high school football. Turns out Bishop Sycamore, possibly not even a real high school, some of their players were out of over the ages of high school ages. They were actually JUCO dropouts. Um, the school itself what? is not is – not, there's a good chance this isn't even a real school. Just some people that – They just gathered – Fielded like, a team and, and yeah. just got on ESPN somehow? Yeah, they finessed their way onto ESPN. This is like they finessed us. <laughs> big time. They ended up losing like 59 to nothing. So they got absolutely spanked. But they uh, what they pulled off was nothing short of like a like wor- like movie worthy. Um, I think the head coach is like out on bail or something. He's got like a pending uh, felony fraud charge for something else he did. <laughs> well, he just committed fraud. So. <laughs> well, well, not even counting this, not even counting this one. Um it sounds like some of their players are actually out of high school and they were like JUCO dropouts um, and who knows how much older. But this is like developing. Like it just started like yesterday or today. Or, um, it's like more getting more information. But, yeah, there's like 20-year-olds on the team. Um, the roster they gave like the ESPN booth only had like a quarter of the players on it and they don't even know. Like <laughs> it's just insanity. But shout out to them because they really pu- they pulled off they caught ESPN slipping, and that's what happens. Yeah, they did. Is it a real high school? Like, no. Is there an actual high school no. with that name? Or There's no building. No building, no field. They don't have a field. They just, you know, they're like, 
we got to play an away game. Um, you know, they're like, oh, you want to be the home team? No, absolutely not. We're, we're better away. What happened was they told ESPN, and I must they must have told IMG Academy, that they had five five-star recruits. So ESPN was licking their chops because IMG Academy always has a bunch of five-star recruits. So ESPN was licking their chops to get these te- two teams together that have all these five-star recruits. Apparently they didn't look into it at all because it's not the case. <laughs> yeah, five-star five-star recruits for junior college dropouts. Like, yeah, who knows? Yeah, that's great. I would. Lo- I, we got to do a little bit of JLT investigation into this and uh, and see where we can go. Yeah, I think it's hilarious, to be honest. I just think it's one of the funniest stories. And the more details come out, the more funny it is. Like, they were – they're in a conference – in Ohio, they're from Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, but their conference was based in Texas. What? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how many how many layers deep this goes, but they still lost fifty nine or fifty six to nothing or something. So, but they got to play on ESPN. Yeah, they probably never practiced. They're not in a real team. <laughs> no, the, it sounds like some of them were living in hotels and in in people's basements. What did they expect to come from this? Was this like were they like we're gonna get on ESPN? This is our big break. Once we get on, once we get on ESPN, we'll be recruited. We'll be, um, we'll be back on JUCO rosters. <laughs> I we'll don't be, know. Uh, they were filming their out. own last chance U, I guess. Yeah, for real, the last last chance U. <laughs> last chance before prison. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, we'll see how that unfolds for the rest of the week. But one of the craziest, most hilarious stories I've heard in a long time. And uh, my call out this week. M- mini call out to Tyron Woodley for just not throwing a punch whatever that is what it is I still think he came out okay but big call out this one hurts a little bit like when I say a little bit it hurts a lot but I gotta call out Justin Gaethje guy I've really liked for the past however many years he's been in the UFC he has turned in to a huge whiner in the last year I don't know if Khabib cut off too much air to his brain or what but all he's done is cry he has this horrible like he just hates Michael Chandler, and now, okay, you get a f- chance to fight him and prove prove everything you've been saying since the beginning wrong, so, like, just go beat the guy. That's all you got to do, but he's crying today, basically been whining ever since Chandler and uh, Oliveira fought for the title. So now he says the, the UFC lightweight title's a laughing stock because um, they let Chandler and Oliveira fight for it. I agree that to a point that, what happened, what, I mean, he, he's complained that it wasn't him and Poirier fighting for it, but Poirier passed up the fight, and Gaethje just lost. So they're going to get two new guys in there. It wouldn't make any sense to have Gaethje in there after he just got embarrassed, proven to be a white belt on the ground. But anyways, just going on and on again about how, like, he just, he just, he's mad. And I just never, he, his first, however, what, four years, five years in the UFC, it was all about putting on good fights. Didn't talk about titles. Didn't talk about any of this, the behind the scenes. Would fight anybody anytime. Now he's just, all we've seen out of him for over a year now is just complaining. Yeah, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange thing in my opinion. I, I don't really get it. I mean, what are you doing? It's like you, you lost. Nobody gets title fights off of back a loss. Back to back title you fights. Lost. Yeah. Back-to-back title fights off of a loss. You weren't the defending champion and you lost and you get an automatic rematch. Like, no, you lost. You need to get a win before you book the title. I mean, you got... Yeah, I mean, Oliveira versus Chandler, it wasn't like the marquee matchup, but it should have been Oliveira versus uh, 
Poirier. Poirier didn't want the fight. He wanted the rematch versus Connor. So it, Chandler is a viable option there. I mean, it's not not Chandler's fault for for taking an opportunity that came his way. And um, I mean, Chandler makes more sense than you do, Gaethje. Like you you just came off a loss. You had your chance at the title. You lost to Khabib. You got exposed, and you didn't look good doing it. It's not like you put up a you know a really good fight at like a really awesome challenge for for Khabib. Like you looked awful. Um, I don't see where you come off saying like you you deserve that like you deserve anything you don't deserve anything you you know you got what you deserved you got the Khabib fight you got a huge payday you got you got that fight you lost it you didn't take advantage of it and now you got to build yourself back up you just don't you just don't get to be the number one contender forever just because uh, you were on a run before that if you lose you lose you got to get back there so I mean he just needs to to stop complaining get back to to you know what it what he was doing to get himself to that title and and he'll get back there but it's not a good look and I, I don't think it's uh it, it's something that that bodes well for his future as a as a title contender or whatever like if you're you're not willing to put in the work to get back there you know yeah and he only he only ever had to do is win one more fight and I know that's not easy to do especially in the 55 division but when they picked Oliveira and Chandler they were basically picking two guys that were removed from Khabib because they didn't want this title to look like Khabib's leftovers, which is what it is, and that's the happens to be the truth. But you don't want to pick the guys Khabib just finished off because then it's it's a second place belt. You talk about the the 155 belt turning into a laughing stock or losing its value overnight or whatever is basically what he said. What about the fact that it basically turns into a second place trophy if the two guys that Khabib just finished fight for it and get it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it makes no sense. I mean, I, I think it was the right move with the Oliveira versus Chandler, um, seeing as Poirier didn't want it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it is what it is now, and you got to get back there before um, you know before you get another shot. And uh, hopefully, he he takes this Chandler fight and he gets gets his way and he, he figures it out. But um, I mean, all this complaining, it do, I don't think it it helps him by any means. You know, he needs to focus on on his upcoming fight and get this W if he wants to be the champion again. Like, you're you're wasting too much time, you know, complaining and putting an emphasis on stuff in the past. Like, you need to move forward and you need to get your you get your shit together, get this win, and get back to the title if that's what you want. You complaining about it, it isn't helping anything. Yeah, just a total character change. That's just disappointing to see, but. I don't know. Maybe he'll turn it around. Maybe he just had too much time on his hands. But he's got a fight coming up. Good fight coming up. And uh, maybe he took too much brain damage. <laughs> well, that's what everyone's been saying to him since the start. We'll find out. But yeah, to be continued. Yeah. All right, then we'll move on then to our preview here. We got. Uh, I don't know the name of this card again. Sorry, I got to look it up real quick. Um, UFC Fight Night One Ninety One. Um, Brunson versus Till. All right, there we go. We got UFC Fight Night 191, Brunson versus Till. Only to be upstaged by also JLT Championship, nickname champion, undisputed nickname champion of the world fight on this card. So two big fights here, Brunson and Till, and our current champion, Charles Jordan, versus uh, new challenger, Julian Arosa, trying to unseed longtime champion, nickname champion, uh, Charles Jordan. So we'll actually start with our nickname championship, the big event for us. Looks- yeah, and it's that we got Juicy J versus Air Jordan. So it's a, it's two solid nicknames we really got going good. up here. It's always it's always good. Uh, obviously the 
the champion, Air Jordan. He has a world-class nickname. But it's always good to get a, get an opponent here, a challenger, with uh, with a pretty solid nickname as well in Juicy J. Yeah, and we've seen Julian Arosa have some decent fights. He uh, He's tough. He's he's durable. Um, Charles Jordan right now, minus 188 favorite. Julian Arosa plus 152. I think Jordan's looked really good in his last few fights. He has looked really good. I mean, this is a fight that scares me a little bit for him. Uh, Charles Air Jordan, I think he is clearly the better fighter here, and he should get the W. But there's one thing about Air Jordan. He's not afraid to get into a dogfight, and um, and he's been close to getting finished at times in some of these fights. But, um, you know, he can take it, and he dishes it out just as much as uh, as he as he takes. So he gets the Ws. But Julian Arosa, he, he, he hits hard. He, um, he brings it. And uh, I think this is going to be a fire fight. I think we got fight of the night written all over this uh, JLT world title nickname uh, uh, matchup we got going here. Yeah, I would love to see it. Of course, we're riding with our boy, Air Jordan, our longtime uh, JLT nickname champion. Still on the poster behind you, Duncan from the free throw line. Um, basically, he's been our only undisputed champion. He's been uh, – he's the uh, – the, line- the single lineal champion for the JLT nickname belt. Yeah, I hope he's up there as you know, at, for as long as he wants to fight. But we'll see. I mean, he's taking some steps up in competition. He's he's a kind of a highly touted prospect. He he's been getting some fights in the UFC though. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's got all the tools. He's he's solid and uh, and he always puts on entertaining performances for the most part. So I'm picking my official pick here is Air Jordan, and I think it's gonna be a, a dog fight. So. All right, let's hope so. I'd love to see it. All right, then our the official main event, not our main event. Derek Brunson versus Darren Till. We got Darren Till getting back in the ring here. Um, Derek Brunson been on a little bit of a run. A little insider info for everybody. Derek Brunson showed up to Las Vegas. His hair is bleached. Do with that what you Ooh. will. But it's been a uh, pretty. Pretty um, pretty good sign for Brunson betters when he shows up with a fresh, freshly bleached head of hair. Um, he has not lost since he started bleaching his hair. Darren Till right now, one, minus 188. Um, actually, identical line to the Jordan fight. Darren Till, minus 188. Derek Brunson, plus 152. Not ruling Derek Brunson out here. Darren Till is, um, has definitely fought the better. He's been on – I mean – would you say he's been fighting better competition? Derek Brunson had kind of a slip, but Derek Brunson is another guy that he's never lost anybody except the most elite. Um, I, I'm gonna say I'm I'm siding with Till here because he's been so consistent, and his stand up is. Derek Brunson has a bad habit of running forward with his head way out, and I you can't do that against a guy like Darren Till. I don't know that he's gonna give Brunson's gonna be able to use his wrestling and get in close enough, which he has been using lately. Um, but I'm I'm on Darren Till here. I think he keeps him a distance. He's such a powerful striker that I think he uh, I think he wins this fight. Yeah, I'm not sure who fights the better competition. I'd say recently in their last like maybe two fight, two three fights, probably Darren Till. But Derek Brunson's fought everybody in yeah. the in the in the 185. And only lost I mean, to he, the most elite. Yeah, he's his only loss. He's on a four white fight win streak. It wins against Kevin Holland, Edmund Shabazi, and. Ian Heinish and Elias Theodoro, but before that he lost to Israel Adesanya and Jacare. Um, then he had a two-fight win: Leota Machida, Dan Kelly, and then before. 
before that, he had lost to Anderson Silva and Robert Whitaker. So, I mean, his his strength of schedule is is about as good as it gets. I mean, Darren Till's is as well. Um, Darren Till, he lost to Robert Whitaker in his last fight. He beat Kelvin Gaslam, but that was a declining Kelvin Gaslam. That was right after the um, Adesanya fight. He didn't look like he usually does, and he only won a split decision in that fight. Uh, before that, he lost to Masvidal and Tyron Woodley. And then he had some good wins versus Steven Thompson down Cerrone. So, I mean, I think this is a closer fight than a lot of people are giving it credit for. I, I'm leaning towards taking the underdog here, taking some plus money and going Derek Brunson on this one. I just keep having flashbacks to the Tyron Woodley fight uh, where Tyron Woodley basically just took him down, had his way with them, and submitted him. He, he got an easy victory there. Um and I think Derek Brunson can kind of implement a similar game plan to what Tyron Woodley did in that fight. And if he does, I think he can get the win here. Um, Darren Till hasn't fought that much recently. Um, his only fight in the like since COVID was July of 2020 versus Robert Whitaker. That Gaslam fight was back in 2019. Um, I, yeah, I mean, and that Calvin Gaslam split decision. If it wasn't for that, he'd be on a four-fight losing streak. I mean. I, I just, I'm leaning towards Derek Brunson. I don't know what it is. I just kind of got a feeling here. He's been on a run. He's got the blonde hair. And uh, yeah, solid. we're going to go the underdog here. Yeah, Brunson's been extremely solid. He's, he's I don't know what, why he, he's been, he was been underrated all along. I think people thought that he, he was going to lose to Edmund Shabazian. People thought he was going to lose to Kevin Holland. And he, he mauled those guys. Yeah, and I, I honestly think that Derek Brunson is kind of underrated, and I think Darren Till is a little overrated in my opinion. Yeah, and this is Darren Till at 185, right? This is uh, He's only fought here a handful of times because that 170 cut was too much for him. Yeah, and people say, you know, Darren Till, he has this insane power, but does he really? What, what, what power are we talking about here? I mean, his only knockout win recently was – against Donald Cerrone. I mean, um, we got a decision loss to Robert Whitaker, a split decision win to Calvin Ga- versus Calvin Gaslam. He got knocked out by Masvidal. He got submitted by Tyron Woodley. Decision versus Stephen Thompson, Stephen Thompson. And then a knockout versus Donald Cerrone. So does he actually have this power that people say he has? I mean, I don't think, I don't think he really does. I mean, but we have seen, you know, that... Um, we have seen that Derek Brunson can get knocked out, but it looks like he's kind of he's kind of figured that out. He hasn't been getting knocked out recently. So I think, you know, Derek Brunson, I think he's filled some holes in his game, and uh, I think he's going to come out and get this win and maybe surprise some people. All right, then. We'll move on to uh, Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Spivak. The line here, we got Tom Aspinall minus 280, Sergey Spivak plus 220. Tom Aspinall has looked really good. He's looked something like a super prospect. Um, we've seen Sergey Spivak win fights as well. I just don't think that he. Uh, I mean, I I'm, I don't necessarily like this line. You got to almost put three to one down just to get Tom Aspinall, but he's the guy that's on the run here. He's looked almost untouchable as far as his last. I don't know however many fights, but um, I I a guy that trains with Darren Till as well, and I think he trains with uh, Tyson Fury some too. But he looks. He's looked really good in there, and uh, I think that he'll probably get take care of business in this fight as well. Yeah, this is one where I'm I'm kind of hesitant to bet Tom Aspinall here. I think I'm probably going to pass, but I might take some dog money on Sergey Spivak as well. Uh, I don't know. I've been going a lot of dogs lately, 
And um, I just don't know. Tom Aspinall, he's looked kind of unbeatable, but he's been really facing bombs, let's be honest. Yeah, big time. Dieleski, Olenek, Jared Vandera, Carlos Felipe. Um, he or no, that's uh, Sergey Spivak. Sergey Spivak, he beat Alexei Olenek, Jared Vendera, and Carlos Felipe. Lost to Mycin Tabura, but he's beat power punchers like Tai Tsuivasa. Took him down, got him in a submission, arm triangle choke. Um, so he's got some history of beating heavy punchers that we do. And the thing is, I just don't know where Tom Aspinall's ground game is at. I know Sergey Spivak has a good ground game. He gets the takedowns. He can submit people. He's tough. He's somewhat durable. Um, but we've only seen Tom Aspinall beat bums. He beat Andre Arlovsky recently, Alan Bodet, and Jake Collier in the UFC. I mean, I don't know. Sergey Spivak, he's been in there. He's kind of tried and true. He He's a veteran as far as compared to Tom Aspinall, and uh, I just don't know. I just think that it's kind of a big price tag to be laying down on, on Tom Aspinall, and we have some questions on him, and uh, we know Sergey Spivak. We don't really know how Tom Aspinall is going to do if Sergey Spivak is able to get the takedowns and kind of implement some ground game on him. So it's just a, kind of an unknown on Aspinall there and something that Sergey Spivak has the ability to exploit if it's there. So, I mean, it's probably a pass for me as far as going minus 280 on Tom Aspinall, but uh, I, I, I'm not super confident putting money down at two, plus 220 on Sergey Spivak either. So probably a pass, but I might take a small flyer on Sergey Spivak. All right, we're in similar boats there as far as take it. Pretty much it's a pass. Um, definitely don't like that line too much. Uh, Alex Morono versus David Zawada. We got Alex Morono, minus 154. David Zawada, plus 126. Not a huge lean on this line. We saw Alex Morono. He's looked good in his last several fights. I think his last fight, he was a late replacement to fight Cowboy. Uh, beat beat the brakes off of Cowboy. Um, I think he's won his last few fights pretty convincingly um he lost to uh showtime anthony pettis by decision it was kind of somewhat close if i remember right but uh anthony pettis did beat him by decision oh that was on the thompson neal card yeah i'm looking at that now so um like i said no real lean for me on here what do you think of this one yeah i'm not super this is one where it's just kind of like you know who knows what's going to happen i'm going to go alex morono he's looked good recently he seems to be making improvements um, David Zawada, um, you know, he lost to me Ramazan Emiv. He's got lost to Lee Jingling and Danny Roberts. Um, I, I just, I don't know. It seems like, uh, David Zawada, he's kind of middling right now. And we got a guy like, uh, Alex Morono who seems to be making improvements and been looking good recently. So I'm going to lean Alex Morono on this one. All right, then. Our last one here, we got Modestus Bukaskis versus Khalil Roundtree Jr. Talk about a guy that's tough to bet on. Khalil Roundtree, he doesn't even look like the same fighter from fight to fight. Um, you never really know what you're going to get with Khalil Roundtree. He's a plus 1-22 underdog to Modestus Bukaskis, who's a minus 150 favorite right now. Um, Khalil Roundtree, if he fights like we've seen him fight in his good fights, he beats almost anybody. If he fights how we've seen him fight in his other fights, he doesn't do very well against anybody. So I don't know. Again, this is another one where I, I, I don't know what to do with a guy like Khalil Roundtree. He's kind of in that unbettable territory for me. Yeah, and Modestus Picascus isn't a guy that inspires confidence either. So <laughs> this is kind of a tough one. I'm leaning towards Modestus Picascus in this one. It's just uh, 
Khalil Roundtree, he's, like you said, he's pretty unreliable. Um, sometimes he comes in looks like a world beater. He, I mean, he got that big underdog knockoff of Gohan Saki. But since then, he hasn't hasn't been doing much. He got knocked out versus Johnny Walker. Got knocked out versus Ian Kudalaba. Lost a uh, decision to Marcin Pracniao. He had beat Eric Anders in there. So, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. Khalil Roundtree, at one time, I was kind of high on the guy, but yeah, a uh, lot of people were. right now it's it's the exact opposite. I mean, I'm pretty pretty low on him currently, and uh, I mean, although Modestus Pekaskis, he's not a world beater, I think he uh, might have what it takes to kind of pressure Khalil Roundtree and find the knockout and, and get the win here. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't, I don't know. I think I'm probably in a similar boat with you there. Yeah, and then there's one other fight. I don't know if it's on here. It's not. Show, it's not up on the uh, official UFC li- uh, list of fights right now, but it is on best fight odds. Uh, Matt Schnell versus uh, versus Alex Perez. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm I'm not sure if that one's gonna be on there. It only has a line on five dimes, so I'm not sure if it if it's a fight that got called off or what. But um, that could be on there. It might be you know, something to take a look at it if it is. Um, but, uh, I mean, Matt Schnell, he's a big underdog as far as it's listed at right now. Um, he's always game. I mean, I, I like betting on him as an underdog. He's always but, a big uh, underdog too, isn't he? Pretty much he, in every fight he's been in. Yeah, pretty much. But I, I don't know if it's going to be a fight on this card or whatnot, but it is something to keep an eye on if it does If it does end up. Oh, it looks like it is canceled. So um, it looks like they took it off. So we'll have it must to wait. be pushed to September 4th fourth UFC event. That's no, that's this weekend, isn't it? I don't know. There's a little bit of chaos going on. There's also that uh Cage Warrior two division champion Patty Pimblett versus Luigi Vendorine Vendorami that's on this card. That would they they announced that it was canceled, but then it was back on and it looks like it's back on too. Yeah, so there's a few other fights to keep an eye on. Um I'm not gonna put picks on them right now, but um might be a few other interesting fights to kind of keep an eye on as the as the card gets closer. Yeah, let's be honest; these fight night cards do not draw the same amount of attention or uh, kind of like the uh, the same level of build up as some of these other cards. It seems like they're just kind of dumping dumping cards out as fast as they can to get guys fights before the end of the year. And um, as we lead up to these pay per views that are just insane. Yeah, exactly. So. Should be and then oh yeah we have that Molly McCann versus uh, versus G on Kim which yeah I saw that I think that's like an even even odds yeah I don't really have a slant on that one but uh, yeah it should be could be a fight to keep an eye out for yeah I don't know if I'll ever bet on the meatball again last time I bet on her she got crushed <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah I never uh, the meatball it's just doesn't yeah a nickname that doesn't inspire confidence she won't be fighting for the jlt world title nickname belt no. in the women's division anytime soon maybe not a great nickname but it's a fitting nickname <laughs> yeah correct that's about that sounds right but anyhow we'll uh, we'll wrap things up then um we'll see you all next week uh we will recap this card and we'll see you all next week good luck on your picks enjoy the fights and uh we'll be back uh next week yeah, I think we just after this one we just got one more uh one more kind of slow fight night and then we uh 
we start to hit these big pay-per-views and it should be uh should start rolling then so we'll get through this uh this one and then one more week and then we'll uh have U- ufc 266 and then we'll have uh kind of a run of uh some legit fights from there on out so sounds good uh, yeah just stay tuned we'll get through this and uh then we'll get to the the real winners all right let's do it peace